0: Hello, world, and welcome back to Spider Bites, the Spider-Up Podcast. I'm your host, Adam Turvit. Today on our episode, I'm excited to introduce you to a medical doctor who is also a developer. Uh, he's got some really unique insights, both on software development, the way that interacts with the healthcare system, and the importance of security and privacy in a healthcare practice. I know you're really going to enjoy this one. So, we'll get right to the interview after these messages. This podcast is sponsored by SpiderOak. At SpiderOak, we believe security is important and it's our mission to secure the world's data. From secure data compartments for collaboration and data storage, to protecting your backups with end-to-end encryption, or even protecting communications in space, we want to be part of your plan to protect your most important data. Learn more at spideroak.com. Welcome to another episode of the Spider Bites podcast from Spider Oak. Today, I'm really excited to be joined by Alex Flaxman. Hello. So, Alex, can you introduce yourself? Tell us a little bit about you.
1: Sure. My name is Alex Flaxman, and um, I have a tech and engineering background. And then after uh, graduate school and mechanical engineering with a concentration in robotics, I changed gears to my other interests and. Uh, I went to medical school and I now work as an intensivist. Um, My residency was emergency medicine, my fellowship was critical care. So um, obviously the last year and a half has really seen the world change a little bit. um, And a lot of those patients end up uh, in the intensive care unit. um, And I have sort of steered my career more towards the medical informatics side of things. So, I've always been a good consumer of uh, technology and computers at home, and um, I used to be a consultant and, you know, program, et cetera, and, um, you know, now, uh, now I try and, and gear my um, work towards the medical informatics, which is really computers for the I want to say the business of medicine. It's not like processing claims or anything like that, but looking at the information of medicine and the systems in place and um, improving all of that.
0: Yeah. That's, that's really interesting. There aren't very many people who have a background, both in technology and robotics and in medicine.
1: It's, It's interesting. I, you know, ages ago when I was still a resident, there was an attending who was, um, you know, working clinically as an attending, and he was actually in fellowship in one of the earlier informatics fellowships, and he was so proud that, you know, they were they were teaching him um, intro Java. So it was his first programming class ever, they, you know, the language they were using was Java. And while I only dabbled in Java per se, you know, certainly I learned Pascal and, um, and uh, C and C++ and actually Smalltalk. And Visual Basic, and I just—it was just amazing that you know here's a physician in a fellowship doing what I was doing as a sophomore in college or a freshman in college, and even before that on my Apple II Plus programming we in Apple Basic.
0: Yeah. So, do you have any code that's still out live in the wild?
1: Yes. Uh, when I was a resident, I wrote um, some. I wrote a program uh, that actually is still being used at a hospital in New York City. It um, actually would work at a couple others because of the networks that the hospitals have. But, um, you know, and it's interesting. It started off as, uh, as really I just wrote it for me. I hard-coded um, all the items for me, and it sped up this one really annoying thing we had to do a lot of. And so one day somebody saw me, like, go and print out this, you know, these six forms that somebody needed in about a second, and he said, oh, can you, you know, how'd you do that? And I told him, he said, oh, can you do that for me? So, okay, I copied everything, hard-coded his name, made a different directory on my web server. I think it was John. And, uh, you know, then somebody else thought, so another 20 minutes, and I had one for Steve and then Bob. And then I realized every time I'm doing this, it's another 20 minutes, and there's a lot of people. So I finally said, all right, I give up. I I backed out. I wrote an application um, using some of the earlier technology with um, that I Worked with the Adobe intern when I was an intern at SAP in Foster City, California, and um, so I wrote an application. And then um, when someone said, "Can you just do that for me?" I it was a second to add their name, and uh, and then it worked. And so that when I was done residency and leaving, the people who were staying, um, a couple were staying as attendings there. A couple people were younger than me, so they were, or I should say, early in the career me and a couple of the physician assistants who work there you know as their permanent job one of them came up and said you're not gonna shut that off are you (laughs) and i said well i was planning on it And they're like no you can't can you keep it keep it running so um kind of by an unwritten handshake they just didn't tell anybody else about it because although it was starting to cost me money not a lot um but it was starting to get usage that was an issue. So they just didn't tell anybody else in other departments. And so I think just the emergency department was using it. And then those people when they would go to other departments um, would use the application. So it's still running. Um, It's written in visual basic script and active server pages. So my new side gig is going to be to rework it. Um, Now I'm actually an attending physician so I can do a little more of the medical research behind some of the forms, and um, then I will have to up my programming skills. And, uh, you know, little companies like Amazon now exist, and whether (laughs) I end up looking at Amazon Web Services or Microsoft's version, Oracle, or somebody else, um, that's probably what, um, you know, sort of pick one of those. And my plan is JavaScript now on client and server, and then if it needs any extensions, binaries, then, I'll probably suffer through um, C++ because if I do those things, I think that's the most extendable. I'm not, I'm not going back to Perl. I've done it. It's been a long time. I think I can take one more level of abstraction to JavaScript and C, C++ if I really have to, Um, or maybe maybe I'll get to the point where I could hire somebody for the C++ part.
0: Yeah, there you go. Well, that's, that's pretty exciting that you, uh, both that you know your hobby is still out there and, and live and also that it, it's been beneficial to your you know your professional work in medicine. Um talk to us a little bit about the security problems that you think about and any tools or strategies you use to, to kind of combat those either in your professional work or, or in your personal life.
1: So um, the most obvious and it actually, you know, how I guess we ended up speaking is um, I rely on one spider product because I couldn't find anybody else that did what I wanted. And, um, you know, I have a desktop at home. I like desktops. I like I like Ethernet plugs. Mm-hmm. Um, I like my multiple monitors. I like the responsiveness of the desktop uh, when I use my laptop and I have a fancy laptop. Um, I have Lenovo. Admittedly, my desktop at home is an i7 Extreme and my laptops an i5. I, I didn't pick the i7 just for battery life, but I so I did the i5. But I can still tell that there is a noticeable pause. even with SSD drives, um, laptops are always a little bit slower than the PC. and I understand that you know 99% of the computer time is waiting for human input. but when I sit down, my time is value and I want the computer to respond. So also it's been a long time, but I have done um, things like uh, animations and engineering animations. And if you do have to leave the computer running to render, then obviously the faster computer is better. So, um, mm-hmm. you know, so I like I like local files when I work. And so, and I guess the good part is obviously in my personal life, I'm a one person shop and professionally right now, I'm not, I don't have to worry about, you know, checking the files out and editing them, checking them back in or, or synchronization. So I want to be able to use my desktop with local files when I'm at home. And especially now with my new job, uh, when I work, I, you know, have, especially night shifts, I have downtime. So I bring my laptop along with me and, um, you know, every hospital has a guest network, which of course is wireless, so slower. And um, I want to be able to continue working on the exact same files without having to manually update or synchronized. I don't want to have to check out a file or a VPN somewhere and wait for it to download. So um, for me, the Spider, uh, SpiderOak One backup uh, with the synchronization was really what started. Uh, Why I started using SpiderOak, and um, you know the the versions forever online. Um, you know SpiderOak. I haven't used that. Certainly, I've made some mistakes and I've called up an old version of a file, but I usually know it within a day at the most. Mm-hmm. Um, usually, it has to do with my laptop wasn't online and um, I access it. So it's only happened with two or three files and so I um, and so I you know use uh, the, the version control just in that respect. But since it's the same price, having versions back to the day I signed up to Spider Oak is, is fine. Um, and of course it handles the synchronization. I actually stopped using the synchronization because I finally hit the file limit of uh, 10 gigabytes. And now that um, I have kids and I have pictures, mm-hmm. uh, you, you hit those limits much faster than when you're just writing uh, code, which is essentially just text files. So, um, you know, so that's just personally, it's zero knowledge. Everything I do work on my desktop is on my laptop. It's backed up to the cloud. And actually, if you think about it, I have a desktop and a laptop. So I have two computers now, admittedly, God forbid, there's a fire in my house. I would lose both of them, and I'd rely on the online backup. But if a hard drive failed, I would I could pick up the other computer and continue working. Um, you know, probably while I ordered another computer or another part and got the other one back up and running. I even considered, um, you know, at a friend's house or at a relative's house, getting another desktop and just putting it there with the same spider work running, just so I'd have another PC, another location. But I haven't quite. That that seemed like one more step than I wanted to do. So that's the personal security. Um, I know the files are encrypted and there's zero knowledge. Um, The key that I have to save forever is is secured in a couple locations. So again, God forbid there's a fire, um, you know, I'd still be able to retrieve all the files. And and then in terms of other aspects, which not even necessarily related to my computer, you know, at home, we have nothing inside the house that can be controlled from outside the house. So mm-hmm. no light bulbs that somebody else can dim, no doors that anyone else can unlock or are open. In fact, I looked at, I have this habit of leaving my garage door open. So I've been very industrious and I have not done it in a very, very long time. And Every single time I extra double check. Um, but um, there are devices that you know, you can open and close your garage door. And if you leave it open, it'll text you. And I actually looked into one of them and I thought about, I could, well, I might get it and I might still get it and just not set up the control mechanism. So I would still get the sensor without, um, without having to worry about anything else. uh, Anybody else being able to open the garage door. We have an alarm. We did not pay for outside control. So you can't disable alarm from an iPhone or from a website um when I, I did have an outpatient office for a while and um, I did have that ability for other reasons but um, again I did not I don't have little kids sleeping at the office that I had to worry about so mm-hmm. um, our HVAC system can't be controlled from outside the house about uh, the worst somebody could do if they hacked our uh, fire TV or my smart TV maybe they could change the channel but you can also go and unplug the TV so um, you know if, if a foreign adversary hits their button, and decides to wage electronic wars, a prelude to launching missiles at us, I won't be distracted because I can just go pull the power cord of the TV out of the wall. So, um, and then, you know, we don't, I, I really want uh, an, a plug-in electric car, but um, between the battery fires um, and the ability for someone else to hack them and, um, you know, the, the ethical hackers have just proven that they can cut, they can hit someone's brakes or cut the engine, but there's nothing that says, you know, a foreign adversary can't press a button and say, okay, every car, current car driving, you know, pointed a person and every car sitting at home, you know, overheat and start a fire. And so again, would not shut the country down, but it might distract enough people that it could be a real problem. So um, I have my own opinion as to what, what should happen. Um, I think it's, I think, you know rules and regulations congress could pass is pretty easy but you know congress is also 535 people that can't agree that spam phone calls are a problem so um you know I'm not I'm not holding out much uh, much hope for someone else to fix these problems
0: yeah and I think that's a really good point uh in a lot of countries some of these problems are addressed through regulation it's unfortunate that regulation is such a hard thing to agree on in the united states In medicine,
1: you know, critical care, there are some advantages the U.S. has, but as a system, Europe, um, and sort of by adopting their system, Australia and New Zealand are are actually ahead of us in many, many ways. I'm actually, in fact, I'm a member of the European Society of Intensive Care Medicine, um, and, uh, you know, and I think in their privacy protections, um, they're the same when I access the European websites or when I had to travel to Europe for exams and review courses, um. You get the uh, was the GDPR. You get that warning on almost every site, and it's restricted. California has rules that approach what Europe does, but California is the only state. Right. So.
0: Well, thank you for your time today. We, I really appreciate your insights and you know your experiences and the the things that you do in the thoughtful way that you uh, approach security and privacy. So, thank you for sharing that with us. Oh, my um, pleasure. As a kind of a, a way to wrap this up, I love hearing favorite quotes. Do you have a favorite quote that you'd like to share with everybody?
1: Um, sure. It's it's. Uh, I guess the, my favorite is probably more an emotional one. I certainly have plenty that uh, that are more practical, both within medicine or in general about engineering or life. But um, you know, since I did pick medicine as my as my field and my primary. Um, endeavor. No matter what I do with technology, um, the best quote um, was in the movie Field of Dreams. Um, it was not even in the book. It was Joe. But um, there's a doctor who had played baseball, and mm-hmm. he got into the majors, and he got part of one at bat, or he got to play the field, he didn't get an at bat, and he then has to leave and go back to being a family doctor, which isn't quite what I do. It's a, it's almost even more intimate. He is you know, the town doctor. He's got a little black bag. He carries it, and um, you know. Some uh, Kevin Costner says to him, "You know, it's it's a tragedy that you only gotten to play major league baseball for five minutes." And this older doctor at that point looks at him and goes, "Son, if I only got to be a doctor for five minutes, now that would have been a tragedy." So I love my engineering background. My the first code I paid, I got paid to write was, um, you know, programming um, prototype pipe bending uh, machines and I, I wrote it originally in lisp or auto lisp and then when they contacted me again to update it they would call me every couple of years it was re- eventually be done in VBScript script or visual basic and um you know but if somebody said oh it's a shame you didn't you know pursue that you know i'd say no the shame would have been if i had looked at medicine and and you know passed it by so that's my favorite emotional
0: quote well thank you and Thanks for all the hard work of you and your colleagues in the last year and a half. Uh, You're we, welcome. We, it, is, it
1: is just part of the job, whatever anybody else says. But um, you know, I've been fortunate to work in places PPE was never an issue, so you know we were always safe. And other than just having you know the the patients there with the disease, but you know I appreciate it. So, thank you.
0: Well, thanks so much, and that will be it for this episode. Uh, join us again for our next episode. Some things are best kept secret. You wouldn't send your company's financial data through snail mail on a postcard. So why would you use insecure digital collaboration tools? Introducing CrossClave, a file sharing and collaboration solution built with security in mind from the first byte. It's like Signal for Business. CrossClave uses distributed ledger technology in end-to-end encryption to deliver a true zero-trust system designed to protect you and your business's most valuable data. When you need to share or collaborate on your most sensitive information, Spider-Oak's CrossClave is your only choice. Go to spideroak.com slash podcast to get started with a free account. No credit card required. Thanks again for listening. For all of us at Spider-Oak, I'm Adam Turvet. We hope you enjoyed this episode. If you did, please consider subscribing. If you're interested in joining us as a guest on SpiderBites send me an email at podcast at spideroak-inc.com. We'd like to thank Mel Graves for our theme music, Earshot. We'd also like to extend a special thanks to our law firm, Dewey, Cheatham and Howe, Spider Oak's Cliché Monitor, Saul Well and Good, our ornithologist in training, Luke A. Boyd, and our staffing agency, Click and Clack. Thanks, everyone.